We're live. Hey. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning, Dana. How you doing? I'm good. I'm a recovered alcoholic today on a 90 degree weather in Michigan, early Sunday morning. Um, and I'm excited to try the podcast um, avenue to spread the message of uh, the Knucklehead Group and, and AA. How about you? We've been talking about this for a few weeks now, and I got to tell you that every time I do something new in AA, I just feel the fire again. <laughs> and so I hope that that's what happens. Me too. Yeah. Um, and that it's contagious, that we set the whole world on fire. Right on. And, you know, the co-COVID situation really, you know, had us as a society really exploring different avenues um, for people trying to get sober, people staying sober, sober, um, uh, you know, having meetings online, sponsor, you know, finding a sponsor online, all of that. And I think you can speak to that. Why don't you tell them a little bit about your experience? Yeah. Um, so Lindsay, recovered alcoholic, and God got me sober March 24th, 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, really. Um, I got sent home from work, so I had no reason not to drink constantly. <laughs> right. Um, I think I was home from work about a week, week and a half before it became a real shit show. And I was, uh, I work in the field, so I was sending out meeting lists to people because I had heard from other folks I know in the program that that AA was uh, still doing stuff virtually, like on Zoom and stuff. And basically, <clears throat> I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but I experienced powerlessness in the beginning of COVID and the gift of desperation and ended up logging on to one of those meetings myself. You're talking Zoom meeting? Yep. And when you say work in the field, you're not talking necessarily about crops or anything. Like <laughs> I mean, I could. That's what I might do. No, nope. I work out with substance use and, and mental illness and quote unquote the field. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, my experience with AA first coming into the rooms was in virtual rooms for about, I'd say, my first sixty days where. The club wasn't open. There was no off-the-wall program to use. I had to get into the book. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I knew you prior to, you know, obviously COVID happening and you, you know, getting sober. Um, and so, you know, I knew that you had been struggling. I also work in the quote-unquote field. And so, um, and Lindsay actually was my superior um, at, at an organization. And um, I had been in recovered since uh, August 11th, 2011. And I knew that Lindsay had been suffering. And so I threw the book at her a couple times, <laughs> not literally, but and suggested the meetings. And, and what were what were your thoughts when I would do that? I thought you were insane. <laughs> I thought, I thought, um, <clears throat> You know, I didn't think you were totally insane because when we would talk and there was no mention of a book or a program, although there was, I just didn't know the language. 
I felt like you really did understand me. And now that I have the language, I know that what we were doing was one alcoholic working with another because you asked me things no one ever did. Like, have you tried controlling your drinking or encouraging me to go have two or just have the beer only? And, and those were some insights of I've already tried that. <laughs> um, not that I told you that, of course, because I was still in a dishonest landscape of life. But I did feel like you understood it. And then I think when there was, again, not knowing the language, a solution offered like, hey, Lindsay, take my book home. I was not. I was not willing. I was not open-minded. They gave you a reading assignment, probably. You, you right? told me um, thirty every day, maybe, or you said uh, thirty and eighty-four through eighty-eight, and I just remember thinking, I'm super intelligent. I know how to read a book, and it starts at page zero, mm-hmm. and I'm not starting a book at eighty-four. So I put it on my table and left it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then. Uh, what happened? So then you just continued to have a lot of free time and no real responsibility per se, right? I mean, well, you know what happened. You were right. <laughs> being managed by a drunk right. at work and watching it all fall apart because it kind was... Kind of not showing up for work or just being really hungover and, or preoccupied, really, with yeah. either trying to when can I drink next or feeling guilty about maybe what was going on because of your drinking at home or right. Or you'd be um, asking me, you know, how you're doing. And then I'm probably exaggerating. And there were a few times maybe where I had strung together like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, you were miserable though. Yeah. You were, you were like, really didn't want to be around. Me. Right. <laughs> I think we call it a dry drunk. Right. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's one of the things that I was taught early on about, um, you know, you know, being recovered, and that is, you know, from a hopeless state of mind and body where my mind doesn't obsess about alcohol um, or drugs um, and my body doesn't crave it. Because when I was actively, you know, drinking, even though I did also have periods of not drinking, um, you know, all right, I'm not, you know, because of consequences, a relationship was going to end or whatever, or I was getting really close to losing my job, that I would willpower myself not to drink um but i gotta tell you my willpower was really not very effective and i was you know i was a bitch and i was miserable to be around and people were actually like please go drink um because that's where i would get my relief you know um and people talk about drinking you know again and i thought this too it's just the booze that's my problem it's just the drugs that's my problem and really it was my solution um for my inner um, irritability and just self-loathing and, and guilt and shame and resentments and I didn't know any of this stuff uh, you know and and so that's why it was so frustrating and so hopeless feeling where once I put you know if I stopped drinking um, it felt like things even got worse mm-hmm. I think that that's I don't know that I knew it then but one reason that I was never interested in AA or, or even trying to quit drinking really was because every time I did, that's exactly what happened was the people telling me I should learn how to control my drinking were like, well, you can have like one or two because this is, you're miserable to be around. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want you to be like, loosen up, relax, stop being such a dick. Yeah. Um, and I figured, you know, knowing nothing about the program and therefore knowing everything about it, 
I was just like, I have no interest in taking this away from me. This is the only thing I have. Like you said, it's right. all solution. I have. Right. If you had my life, you'd drink like right. me too. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, the tricky part of that is, is that it worked for a long time too. And I think that's, you know, it talks about it, you know, in the book, I believe that, you know, it used to be where, I don't know, you know, when I was younger and stuff, I could drink with impunity and didn't really, you know, I don't know, could get away with it, I suppose. Um, but even back then, it, there was consequences and there was, you know, hearts broken and ruined relationships and horrible, you know, I wasn't a good employee. Um, and so actually, I'm, now that I'm talking about when I think about it, I, I remember my first drink in eighth grade, I think I was in and I was drinking like these tall boy Schlitz and I don't know if it was the power of suggestion or if I actually got buzzed, but I remember just really, I was hanging out with these older girls and I remember just feeling like, oh, I fit in. This is great. I love this. I'm the life of the party. And um, I remember my parents coming the next day, driving down that road and all of us girls were like, hey, hey. And I wanted to stay the night again with these people, with these women, because um, I knew we were going to drink again. And I couldn't wait. And I got to do it again. And um, I don't remember what happened after that. But anyway, that's when I was off. Some people talk about having an experience and getting really sick. Not me. I fell in love. I was in love, um, you know, from the time I was an eighth grade, I remember. <laughs> so I was off, you know, and every chance I got after that to drink or to use drugs, I did, you know. But I came to that in my second experience of drinking. My first experience was um, basically... I didn't want to do it and I really had contempt prior to investigation with alcohol like people my mom told me that it was in my blood and I had better be careful and I believed her and my dad is an alcoholic he doesn't say he's an alcoholic but that's what his behaviors look like to me and I was afraid of him didn't want anything to do with it didn't want to be like that and I think when I was like 16 17 and basically peer pressure and took like the smallest swig of his Bacardi one night and I cried. <laughs> I just cried. And I told my friends who I was with like, I'm an alcoholic now. Oh no, what have I done? I've activated this thing. I didn't say that, but um, I did say, oh no, I'm an alcoholic and I wish I would have listened. But it wasn't until uh, the full-fledged attempt at drinking when I was probably 18. And it was just like you said, like off to the races, mm -hmm. like my brain, um, it felt like it connected all the, like it's a little dot to dot up in my mind. And then you put some alcohol in it and it's like, I can see the picture now and everything is like technicolor and, and I'm full and I'm ready and I can mm -hmm. say what I need to say and, and feel just large and in charge. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, so, you know, again, this went on for several years, the trying to control and manage it and blame my drinking on other people and all that kind of stuff. And um, I don't know, I just feel so grateful. Part of the reason I think that we want to do the podcast, too, is, again, both of us, you know, just feel so passionate about, about recovery and about living life. Um, without having to escape um, in the ways that we that we did 
tried to before. So I want to get back just a little bit about when um, you what. So you you quit drinking it during the COVID thing because you had a situation at home that was basically you were getting booted out of your own house basically. Yeah, I've been told the way to phrase that though is I let go of you my gave relationship. It away. Yeah, yep. you gave your relationship gave it away because yep. you were in love with the. A love-hate relationship, but nonetheless. Sure. An abusive relationship. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You both. I don't know who was controlling you. I know, right? (laughs) It's like, ah, my Seagram's is abusing me. I mean, every time. Yeah, Yeah, because now in the DSM, they call it substance. Oh, it's substance use disorder, right? A little fluffy. Because, you know, we don't want to be too hard on it. Right, and we can't say crack fries either. Right, right. We're very offended by that. (laughs) Which is ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, but that's a whole nother podcast, I'm sure. Uh, so, so you want to tell a little bit about them? So you got you went stayed at your parents for a week. Um, I was there, and they had weeks. yeah, and you didn't. They had booze there too, didn't they? Full bar in the basement. full bar. You were there, just like yeah. So what what did you do? Because you didn't reach out to me immediately. No, I did not. Yeah, how um, come? Well, I believe that was the leveling of pride beginning. Gotcha. Um, and I have this image. So every time we talk about, um, just like the last days of my drinking, I have an image of basically I'd volunteer in my house to go run errands so that I could stop at every (laughs) shop on the way and get, you know, I had this delusion that if I just get one drink here and one drink here and one drink here and one drink here and drink it all before I get back, I won't be drunk. And that's not a problem. (laughs) So I get home from like picking up a burger completely smashed and, I'm starting to realize this is not, I just remember calling you on my way into the house and leaving a message and I'm drunk and I'm like, I think I have a problem. I don't know if you remember getting this message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a problem. I think I might do, need to do a meeting. And then, you know, I sobered up and I was over that. Yeah. <laughs> when I was at my, so yes, yeah, so I'd been asked to leave my house because I was out of a self-will run riot. I was doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, lying about it. Even if I was confronted point blank, just I was the worst version of me. My parents are on vacation in Florida, so they're not there. I don't know. I packed the luggage. Yes, I was there for a week. Um, How did you find the online meeting during that time? What did you do? (laughs) Well, because that was just the beginning of the Zoom meetings, really. Yeah, well, my title, you know, previously was Supervisor of Substance Abuse Services, so I knew a lot of people in recovery mm-hmm. who I worked with and who I liked. You know, mm-hmm. they were actually okay people, these people in recovery. <laughs> I reached out to one of them because uh, I didn't want to even deal with you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and I had clients, and I, and I also was starting to get curious because it's like everything was failing. Yeah. All my attempts were, all my attempts to manage were not working, and so I reached out to one of those people. I asked for a list to send to clients, and I sent them out. Mm-hmm. And I did get drunk that night. Mm-hmm. I got super drunk, and I did the same shit that I've always done, even though I'm out of my house. Like Even though everything's falling apart, nothing changed with the drinking. Nothing changed with the behavior. I was violent. I was controlling. I was wasted, blacked out, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so in the morning, I... I logged on to a meeting and I basically structured my day to be like some form of my own rehab. I mean, like, yeah. I was like, it's so interesting, isn't it though? Like, 
I, I just remember like knowing so long that I had an issue and that tomorrow I was going to stop drinking. It was always tomorrow. Cause I remember like, you know, going to work and being so hungover, and then mm -hmm. on the way home, like I'm not getting a bottle, mm -hmm. I'm not getting a bottle and stopping and getting a bottle. I just couldn't take, I couldn't stand it. My body was like, you have got to have this. And then that compounded the feelings of shame and guilt. Like you're such a piece of shit. You can't even like go one day. Yeah. Like what is the deal? Like well, it felt like a power like greater than me. And at the time it was, it yeah. was the booze. It was the addiction. King alcohol. Right. And so it was so crazy. So I remember one day and it, it really is consequences, I think, or knowing that you're going to die, you know? And I think again, like, I, I guess what I was, I'm just thinking about how you drank the night before and then logged on in a, to a meeting. That's not you. That's got to be God. Well, and that's how it feels. You know what I'm saying? Like that. It kind is. Of in, it is. Yeah, and I remember t I had texted my mother and my mom is like, that's a whole other podcast. You right. Know? But at, <laughs> she's someone who at the end of the day, you know, she's going to, sh she's going to do whatever to take care of her kids. That's just right. And in, in between until we're in crisis level, it's like, you need to figure it out, be independent, work harder, manage better. I mean, that's like, I was probably raised. Yeah. alcoholically mm -hmm. but I I told her a little bit of what was going on in terms of I'm you know I'm at her house I gotta tell her what why right. um and she said I would get on a plane right now and that's when I felt wow. like there were two oh roads and one of them was like the image of the bar in the basement and like I got mm -hmm. this house for as long as I need and mm -hmm. I'll drink whatever I want or try something different and well, we I, talk about being surrendered, right? Like and it we was get surrendered. It, so, it mm -hmm. so was, and it felt just like the light was shining yeah. on me, and like all these cockroaches are coming on me, like oh, I'm so <laughs> gross. But like everybody knows, yeah. everyone can see it, and I and I usually would have said, yeah, come rescue me. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, right. And I was like, and that's when I felt like a weird, not like completely calm and bliss, but I just remembered knowing what to do next, mm -hmm. and that's when I reached out. Well, I reached out the night before, but that's when I logged in. And it that's was intense. And it, that isn't that is a, a universe or God or whatever you want to call it, higher power. You know, and I've heard this story and experienced it myself from not just you, but several um many, many, many recovered alcoholics that, that there was just a intervention of like that day, it was just like, okay, I get it. Yeah, you know, it was finally, and it's really like try this, and then you can. That, like, my I was sick. I mean, yeah. it was like if you try this, then maybe you can consider killing yourself. But like, mm -hmm. I can't keep drinking because I have right. nothing. Nothing is ever different. Nothing is ever fucking different. And it's, it's just getting worse. Mm -hmm. I was like doing all the yets. Right. Yeah. Um. And so you got connected with some women through Zoom. And that was your first experience with AA. And what what did you think about your first meeting? Oh, my very first meeting was like it was called like inner inner group AA. People are probably all over it now, but it's got like every meeting in the world. Okay. Every hour, every half hour. Nice. So I just picked one. There's like 200 people wow. in this. I'm like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting on my parents' couch. It's leather. I'm like detox. I'm sweaty. Oh, yeah. I'm sick. And I'm like, I hope to God nobody calls on me and that I have to say, hi, I'm Lindsay, I'm an alcoholic, because I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. A lot of people, that's all I hear in meetings. I always like, you fuckers? I guess I'll try this. <laughs> it was like that. How dare you all be It here. was. But someone had said something, and I was like, it piqued my interest. I could relate to it. I sent a message, just, just said, thanks for saying that. Mm -hmm. 
And then she sent me a message that said, here's my number, call me. And I was like, oh boy, well, I'm in it now. <laughs> it's crazy though. See, that's what I'm saying. This is what my experience has been, is that as soon as we become even a little bit willing to sort of try something different, the doors start to crack open. So that woman just, you know, she took care. I mean, yeah. that was that was a divine it's intervention. Crazy. It made no sense. I don't do things like that. I did call her. Mm -hmm. She's got uh, 30 years of sobriety, and I'm like, that's longer than I've been alive. <laughs> How do you do that? And she right. said she was Catholic. <laughs> I said, great. <laughs> you know, like, sign me up right. to AA and Catholicism. Let's, right. do, let's do life different. But she um, introduced me to what she called a newcomer's meeting, and uh, there were, like, eight people in that, and I did that probably for the next – I don't know, 30 days. But you, once, once I got you were in only like two weeks clean or ill when you or abstinent, I should say, when you yeah. called me, right? And asked me to be your sponsor? Yeah, and maybe not even that. But that uh, was the meeting where I started seeing these people who they reminded me of you. Mm. And charming. You know, just the best fucking people in the world, right? <laughs> they were like having a good time. They could be really balanced. They were deep and, and they knew something. They had something I didn't have. Mm. And I wanted it. And they kept talking about when I worked this step, when I when I do when I pray like this, when I do like they were talking about all the solutions and I'm like trying to read the book like it's a novel mm -hmm. and like being like ah, whiskey and milk. Right, right. You know, that's a good story. But I'm like, I can't find the steps. I don't get where they explain the steps. Like as for all the intelligence I think I have, I can't understand how to how to work the steps by myself, which Thank God. Yeah. Because I am that person. Yeah, me too. I and tried I, that way. <laughs> I don't need to do a four-step. You poor suckers do, but I got myself all figured out. Right. And that's a whole other podcast either. So stay tuned, people. We got a lot. Coming. We got a lot to get right into. On. This is our intro and, um, you know, just to get a night. So Lindsay is my sponsee, and you celebrated a year, March what? 24. 24 of 2021, a year. Yeah. So um, we were the only people walking around at the beginning of COVID because I had to drop a fifth step. Right. We were in the, remember that? Right. Yeah. I'm like, how are we going to do it? Because at first the woman who ushered me in, she's like, I can be your temporary sponsor. Mm -hmm. So she told me to buy, buy the 12 and 12, read step one. Da, da. Once I'm hearing more about the steps, so that's when I called you. I also didn't call you until I was fucking serious. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I, what that temporary sponsor told me that I needed to know was you don't have to go back out. Because I kept hearing that and it kept bothering me. You know, the first time I was in the program, the second time, yeah. when I did, when I worked, like you said, just the even steps, just the odd right. steps, just the first three. I'm like, I just got to quit drinking. Mean, yeah, drinking's the problem. Yeah, like, right. does this work or not? Because I'm not doing this if it doesn't work. Right. And then they read the promises, and then I was like, I gotta call Dana, uh -huh. and I gotta do it. And then you were like. <laughs> read 84 through 88 mm -hmm. and do this and do this and do this and I for as sick as I felt and like clueless as I felt I was excited it's weird right because I know when I finally started working with a sponsor too it's like they were speaking I knew they were speaking my language yeah and they weren't buying my excuses or my self-pity they just weren't entertaining any of that and they also weren't he was not he directed me towards the book. And again, this is, you know, we're going to start um, getting into the book, which Lindsay referenced in terms of, you know, it's a textbook. And when, you know, I remember having a beer in one hand and the book in the other hand early in my, you know, back in the day trying to figure out how to not drink. And 
it just doesn't work that way. It's it's it really is a text, and it takes um, someone that has done the steps, you know, has recovered from the hopeless state of mind and body, to guide us what this book is actually saying. And so there's a lot of book studies out there. In fact, you know, the Knucklehead Group is famous for um, literature-based meetings, and that's what saved my ass and got me moving to some relief. Because when I was not drinking early on, when I first, you know, you know, stopped drinking, I was still really miserable and uncomfortable. And I had to get a solution immediately so that I wouldn't go back to my other, you know, it's like that purgatory of, of not being able to drink and not having the solution yet. You know, and back in the day, I had, I'm sure, well-meaning people, you know, like in the uh, late 80s, early 90s that would tell me, look, you don't have to do your four step until you've been a year sober. And I was like, good, because I wasn't trying to do anything. I mean, one of my character defects is laziness, you know, <laughs> I was like, good, I am not trying to do that. And so I didn't and justified it accordingly. Well, eventually, you know, so I was walking around not drinking, but again, I had none of the promises. I had none of the, the ease um, of, of mind, no concept of a higher power. I was still using people, places, and things as my higher power. Um, and gradually those all went away as they do. Um, anything that comes before, before God um, or a higher power gets, you know, we give away. Well, yeah. So I don't know if you feel this way, Dana, but I'm super grateful for that experience because I feel like from day one when we started working together, you told me that, and it was like not going to be an option for me to have any dry time right. once I started the program. Mm -hmm. And you kept telling me that, like we're going to run through the steps. We're going to get in the book. We're going to do the work. We're not going to fucking drag our feet. We're not, and we can't we're, afford to you die. You're going to die mm -hmm. or you're, and you're going to be, you always say this, you're going to be less willing to suffer. Right. We're not going to do that anymore. We're living in a different way. Yeah. That's why you start in 84 through 88 because it starts telling you right now, stop adding to your fourth stuff. Right. Stop doing dumb shit. Right. <laughs> stop being stop a prick. Take responsibility. Right. You know, right. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And in the book, I mean, we didn't make this up. I didn't make this up in the book. It talks about where we launch and next and now and it's urgent and this, that, and the other thing. And so that's what gets a little discouraging with some of the meetings that, you know, that um, are around is that it's very much just focused on the fellowship, which is great. You know, you can go to meetings to find a sponsor, um, to, to maybe make friends. Um, but it's not a place to go and talk about your problems. The problems that you have um, are the solutions are in the book and for a sponsor to you to talk to a sponsor about. So again, another podcast and maybe we'll start labeling them in terms of like, you know, myths about AA um, that are very common um, that people talk about, which is a bummer because I think it keeps a lot of people um, sick a lot of people away from AA and um, a lot of contempt prior to investigation. So, so again, I think that's partly why Lindsay and I, you know, are just so passionate about, you know, not just women, men too, um, but certainly um, we seem traditionally to be outnumbered. Um, and so it's really important to us to spread the, the message um, and the solution really 
um, to other women that are struggling in that um, may even just not be drinking, but really want more. And that's what my sponsor said. Don't stop. Don't stop with, you know, the second step or the third step. Don't stop, you know, growing. Don't stop. Um, it's not just about not drinking. Your life just really gets um, so much more open. And, and I think what life is about, and that is service to others, being part of the solution of the world, you know, and living life on life's terms, which none of those things I was interested in prior.